Where would we start? We've got a chiropractor here that wants to get known in their town. You know, I, I like your concept of let's see if we can make them a celebrity in their local community. Where would you begin? That's a great question. So where I would begin is every chiropractor, if you've been in business that long, despite the fact that you've had a digital presence, you have something that makes you unique. You have a reason that patients have come to you again and again and again. Some specialize in headaches, right? Some specialize in sports injuries. What makes you unique? What, where are you making your profit? Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. My guest today is Kristen Hinman. Now, you might remember that name if you're a long-time listener, all the way back from episode 39. Now, Kristen's expertise is in taking personalities or brands from unknown to known, okay? So that sounds like you, you need to be listening. Now, she's worked with uh, audiences and brands like Good Morning America, The Today Show, The New York Times, and Fox, just to name a few. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So excited to be back. <laughs> Me too. I was telling you beforehand, I was looking at some of my podcast statistics um, and you are top five episodes ever all the way back at episode 39. So um, I feel like there should be some kind of trophy. Actually, that's probably a bit egotistical on my side of things there too, but clearly my audience loved you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very flattered and if I see a trophy in the mail, I'll know it's <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'll put it on a ship on the way over there now. Okay. It'll take a little while to get there, I'm sure. So I want to, um, we've got some exciting things that I want to chat about today as well. Can you perhaps for our listeners that might, because in episode 39, we talked a lot about what PR is and how our audience can get free PR to, you know, have more people knowing who they are as well. Can you perhaps give our audience a little bit of your background and perhaps explain what PR is and where it fits into the whole kind of marketing landscape. Yeah, I would love to. So PR is sort of shorthand for public relations. Some people call it publicity. Oftentimes it's free media exposure. So meaning you don't pay for it. You're not paying the same way you would uh, an ad in a newspaper or a commercial on TV. You're actually part of the story that the journalist or that the media outlet is telling. That's a really traditional definition, if you will, of PR. I think today, in today's world, it's expanded a bit. I mean, we have things like influencers and people with huge social media followings. We have a number of online channels. And so there's a lot of different ways that you could get PR exposure. Um, and then one of the ways I even like to refine it down even more is sometimes it's just as simple as having a really good word of mouth reputation, something like, you know, people, that's how you get your patients. That's how you get your clients or your customers is people refer you, you do a really good job, your reputation precedes you. All of these can be different avenues. I, I think now that we have kind of this expanded definition of, of PR past the traditional definition. Mm -hmm. I was first kind of introduced to the world of PR maybe 10 or 12 years ago. At that time, I was president of the Chiropractors Association here. Um, we had a reasonable marketing budget. Let's say it was kind of 80 or 100 grand a year. And it would get us kind of so far. And then because when I would be watching the television morning shows and seeing interviews with people or reading the newspaper, I kind of 
just figure that those companies reached out to them and that kind of happened. And we had a PR agency come on and go, no, no, we can, we can help those happen for you. We can actually be proactive with getting you on the news and in newspapers and in magazines and on those morning television shows there too. And I was amazed. And we went from, you know, spending 80 grand and getting 80 grand worth of return to spending half that amount and getting 10 times the volume of, of, of reach back to us. So it was at that stage that I was really amazed. And I know I kind of leveraged some of that. There were a couple of, from my practice, I ended up on a couple of morning radio stations, just Q and I would get on there and answer some questions. And it brought in a tremendous amount of business, more than anything I've ever paid for in terms of a leaflet drop, any advertising was, you know, getting on the radio, answering some questions. Um, and for years after, um, even after that show had finished, people would come in um, yeah. and chat about that too. So it, 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 yeah. is it as powerful now as maybe what it was a decade ago? I think that there's still a lot of power in PR and what you're describing is the third party credibility of someone else saying, this is an expert in what he does, especially back then when you were, you know, when you were in practice and, and probably like with that association, there's an, there's a certain amount of credibility that comes from that when you are featured by, let's say a morning show or a morning radio because they've built up the trust and the like the the base of the audience base and so when someone tunes into that they inherently trust what they say whether or not they realize it and so if you kind of bring out a doctor and say this guy is the the top in his field which is as we talked about in the last episode really where my specialty was was working with doctors and and really still is to 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 a large degree that that third party credibility is, is describes what you would then see in terms of the influx of patients and, um, Oh, like this guy really, you know, if they trust him, I trust him. It's, it's that inherent sort of trust that, that you get, that you can't get from an advertisement or something different. Mm. And I would say, I would say that that still holds a lot of value. I, you know, where I see it changing a little bit is, previously even let's say a decade or two decades ago we would see something on tv and as a society we would inherently trust it or believe it now when we see something immediately we're looking at our smartphones immediately i'm looking you up i'm looking to see what else you've done and what other people have to say and and what you're doing online and if we're sort of lucky enough to still get them to even see you on TV, usually what happens now is it's kind of the other way. People are actually seeing clips of that on their smartphones and then maybe going and looking up an episode or looking you up further. But regardless, I think the difference now is that people are looking you up right away. And so having your online presence really secure and really in a position to help you to like nurture and sustain those relationships and make it so that it's not kind of a one-time hit type of thing which is a which was a big problem before I started which was actually the reason I started the agency I have now is I would see these big spikes in publicity and at the time you know at the old company I, I was working for we didn't have sort of the capability to like continue that all we could really do was bring that exposure and so I think it's really important in today's day and age to have a system in place online to make sure you capture that 
and you can continue the conversation so that it's sustainable for you and your practice. Mm. I, when, you know, I, I talk lots about this concept to the practitioners, you know, the audience listening, that the more people in your community that know you, like you and trust you, the busier your practice will be, the more the phone will ring. And that third party endorsement is obviously really great at getting people to know you uh, and then getting people to trust you as well. Um, before we started, you um, were talking about another concept in terms of how things have evolved particularly when it comes to that building of trust and then the purchasing cycle as, as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And then even the example of the startup that you're working at the moment and, and how early in the process that you are of building their PR and their marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you're listening, you, you would probably agree that gone are the days where someone sees clicks and buys. Yeah although we've all sort of been there, right? Like we've seen an ad on Instagram and ordered like the wonder spoon or whatever, you know, some crazy product only to be disappointed when it comes. But I think in terms of, let's say marketing a service or a practice, like those listening probably are people just are at different stages of the buying process. Mm. And so I, I like to kind of group it into three categories and likely you've talked about this too, but the way I, I sort of segment people is there's a cold audience, meaning these people probably need to be educated more than anything else. They're, they're kind of aware they have a problem, but they're not sort of really sure how to ask the question or what might the solution be. From there, there's a, there's a warm audience where they're, they're more educated. You see in this audience and this type of buyer, they start, they're, they're starting to use a bit more of your industry jargon. Like they're more familiar mm. with it. They're, you know, if, if you're looking at things like search, they're searching more specific keywords or terms as opposed to someone who says back pain, you know, someone like someone in a warm audience might say like, um, you know, sciatic, like they, they, they'd be a little more specific about like what type of back pain or, um, someone, they might search headaches in a cold audience, but they'd say search migraine if they're, you know, like the way that their, lang their languaging starts to change because they're more educated and they know they want to work with someone. Um, and the final audience we look at, I call it a targeted audience. These are someone who already knows they want to make a, they want to make a purchase or they want to choose someone. They just want to know that you, the doctor, the chiropractor, whoever, they want to know that you're the best, like that you are the best solution to their problem of what they're suffering with. And oftentimes I think when, <clears throat> when you develop campaigns, you can develop a campaign that speaks to each person along the spectrum, uh, along that spectrum and invites them to engage with you on some level that's appropriate for where they are. And so the, you know, when, when we really see this, um, this strategy in action, I like to start, you know, when I first start to work with clients, I start at the targeted end because usually there's low hanging fruit. I mean, there's probably people who let's say have seen you on TV mm. or there's people who, you know, were referred, but they never really took that step. And so there's ways to kind of speak to them, to capture them that you would speak to differently than someone who's in a cold audience meaning like they, they still aren't quite sure what the solution is or if they're even in pain or what they need. 
Um, and I think oftentimes that's overlooked. I think sometimes when I see like PR campaigns even or marketing campaigns, it's, it's, it tends to be more broad and it, you're sort of hoping you hit someone. And when you can be really segmented in terms of like, this is, this is going to be a message for this type of person, that's when we see a lot more success. Um, and so, yeah. And then in terms of working with, um, I was telling you, one of my clients actually right now, they are sort of in the late stages of funding uh, for a startup. And they're hoping to launch some type of potentially Kickstarter campaign or bigger funding project in January or February of next year. And so, you know, I was like, you know, we should have probably started two months ago, but we need to start now because they, they have a teeny tiny follow. I mean, they've been at it for a couple of years, so they have a small following, but to reach the goals that they want to reach in terms of selling the amount of, um, Kickstarter products or even selling their first sort of batch of units that they want to that they want to ship out it's mm -hmm. going to require a following and so it's going to require what what we're putting into place now is sort of our pre-launch strategy of how do we educate people just to get them to see that this is a possibility for them and then how do we build that community by providing them information um, our CEO is an expert in this field and so how do we position her so that we are getting the right type of publicity for her and she's connecting to this community and we're organically and with paid traffic building this up so that six months from now when there's when they say hey our doors are open we're selling this product we have a community of hopefully three to five thousand people who are already engaged and you know they're they are that targeted audience and we're building up that targeted audience now because it could be done quickly, but you also, it, that it, in order to sort of have that quick turnaround, you would want to have a budget that they just don't have, mm. <laughs> to be honest. Can we, um, let's just say that somebody is just, in fact, um, let's use this as an example. <clears throat> Someone has no digital presence at all. Maybe they've been a practitioner for 20 years and they just kind of missed that kind of digital realm. And so they want to start to, develop a bit of a presence so they're going to need to kind of work their way through that cold warm and targeted if, if we you know if we use that as an example so if you're listening to this now and um it, it, we want to see if we can kind of insert you into this so where where would we start we've got a chiropractor here that wants to get known in their town you know i i like your concept of let's see if we can make them a celebrity um mm -hmm. in, in their local community where would you begin Mm, that's a great question. So where I would begin is every chiropractor, every business, if you've been in business that long, despite the fact that you've had a digital presence, you have something that makes you unique. You have a reason that patients have come to you again and again and again. And so for me, when I work with a, a client like that, and I've worked with countless clients like that, it's finding out what that is and starting there in terms of bringing it to a digital marketplace and bringing it to publicity. And so oftentimes, you know, I, I know that chiropractors out there are so sick of this when they start talking to marketing agencies or if they're going to retain a marketing agency, almost the first thing everyone says is you need a new website, right? Like you need, and you need a huge website. It's like this whole big redesign. Mm -hmm. 
that's, it's not the case. I usually what we need to do is we need to really hone in on, um, you know, why do people come to you? And so even, even amongst chiropractors, because I have clients who are chiropractors too, some specialize in headaches, right? Some specialize in sports injuries. Some, you know, what makes you unique? What, where are you making your profit from your current patient base? And let's take that and bring it to an online experience and mm. make you stand out as an expert in that, in the online space. Because number one, we already know you're good at it. Yes. Because proof is in the pudding, right? You've been doing it for 20 years for not by accident. Even if you've been doing it for a couple years, I mean, there, there's data there to be looked at. Yep. And people already refer you for this. Mm-hmm. So you can tap into your network of people who are already in your practice to start to leverage them to grow your digital presence. And so if you can start at that one spot, as opposed to let's just give your whole digital presence a, an overhaul and you should start here with like a $20,000 investment. And oftentimes those lead nowhere, right? I mm. mean, it's like, oh, cool. I have a decent looking website, but what's it doing? Yeah. It's like having a fancy business card that someone throws away. Um, so when I start with a, when I start working with a client, that's really where I look. Be, and, and I think everyone listening is going to have something like that. And so it's a matter of identifying it and then leveraging the current resources that you have, which would be your patient base, your already word of mouth, uh, like referrals and putting a, a, it can be very simple, like a landing page about the specific service that you already know drives profit for you so that you can get more profit and then expand kind of your digital presence and offerings. And I think a big problem I see is people trying to do too much at once. Mm. Like we need, you know, oh, let's get the website and a PR program and a Instagram campaign and, you know, oh, I'm not on Facebook. So let's do YouTube. And it's like all of it. It's overwhelming, especially for a doctor who just wants to see as many patients and help as many patients as possible. Yeah. Because sometimes, because when I have this conversation with my coaching clients and even on the podcast here, sometimes practitioners get a little overwhelmed. And often the question I ask them, and I wonder if this, I'd love your thoughts of whether this gets us to the same result. I ask them this, who do you love working with and who do you get great results with? And then immediately they can come up with that person. Cause it, and I think those, both those answering both those questions are important because if you say, listen, I get brilliant results with headache people. And if I said, look, if I, if you were to have an extra 20 headache people come to you in this next month, how would you feel? You'd go, if they said terrible, cause I hate dealing with them, then that's not a good idea. We don't want to fill your practice full of people who you don't like dealing with. But if you listen to this now, and there's sometimes we get a little bit kind of humble, this idea of, you know, where's my expertise and what am I known for and all those kind of things and what's unique and different about us. It sometimes can be hard to go externally and, and answer that question. But do you think that would get us to the same point? You know, those two questions, who do you get oh, results, uh, great results yeah. with and who do you love dealing with? Oh, absolutely. Because I think... I think it's maybe a twofold answer because I think inherently if you're in the business, you know, you, you know what you're describing is they, they would know who they really love to help, who they really have a desire to help. What you're also asking is like, what patients do you like? Like which ones come in and they're not a headache and they follow the protocol and they get really great results and they're communicative with you. And I think if you look at that, what you're saying, who do you really love and what, who do you want more of? 
who do you like to help? And then you also look at it from like even just the book's standpoint of profitability. You know, are the headache patients really the ones making you your profit? Do you like them and they're like they're generating the right revenue for your practice? I think sometimes that small piece is overlooked. Yes. And so when 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 I do what I call an analysis in the beginning, I'm really making sure to look at that because what I have found specifically with doctors actually is usually they have a preference of like what types of procedures or protocols or treatments they like to do regularly. But when you go back and look at sort of sometimes the historical data, it's not always the one that's either the most profitable or the one that um, the most people come in asking for. And I'm not saying that profitability is everything. I mean, obviously there's different things to take into consideration, but it's, um, it's, it's quite interesting when you actually look at like the breakdown of those numbers compared to also like how you feel about it, I think is a really, really good. Yeah, It's funny how, um, you know, this whole kind of healthcare thing, um, once you start to kind of talk about profitability with many of us, yeah, we kind of go back into our shells. It's like, it's okay, gang, you're a business. You need to pay your bills. And, you know, the more yeah. profitable that you are, then the more people you can serve in your community, you can bring on more staff, you can provide greater care, all that kind of stuff. And it's okay. And not only okay, but it's necessary for you to be wildly profitable also. But um, yeah, I love that kind of third um, uh, cue to that as well. So we've decided, for instance, for some reason, we're talking lots about headaches. So let's stick with that. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the, the chiropractor that we're talking about, she's been in practice for 20 years. She loves looking after, you know, people with headaches and she's got some great tricks in her bags. That means that she gets wonderful results. Where to from there? That's our first step we've identified. And they're wildly profitable patients also. Yeah. So where to from there is to like in this example, I think we're using this person probably doesn't have a great online presence or it's pretty minimal. Yes. Is to really hone in on um, like what it's called positioning. You're probably familiar with this, but in, in a marketing world, how do we position that person in, in this digital space so that that same experience that people are getting when they come to her office, when they come to your office, we can really clearly speak to that person that's struggling with the headache. And we want to very clearly position it in that realm because we don't want someone who sprained their ankle. We don't want someone whose arm hurts necessarily. <laughs> you know, when, when we're launching in this digital PR space or even a PR campaign, I want to speak to that because you remember a headache doctor. If you have a headache, you remember a TV segment you saw about a doctor who specialized in headaches. And we want to speak to that person. If you really have like low, you know, I don't know if it's something more general and they're, oh, here's just a doctor teaching you how to be well. Like that's Mm -hmm. a lot more nebulous than like, here's five things you can do right now to help alleviate your constant migraines. That's, it's very specific wording. And so I think crafting a campaign around that um, digitally, both, uh, you know, maybe it's a landing page. Maybe it's just how you focus your language on social media. Maybe it it is reaching out to your local press and papers and TV stations with that specific angle. Mm. That's That's how you then build the momentum. 
And I think what people also get afraid of is it's like, oh, well, I also, you know, help people with sports injuries and I also help uh, people with lower back pain. And like, yes, you do. And it can grow into that. But if you're just starting and you're looking for a place to really make the most impact with, I'm assuming like a limited budget or mm. time or energy that you have, yeah, that's, that's where you would start. And, you, and then what happens is as you continue it the you start seeing data and you start seeing the results of that and the momentum of people coming in from that and you can grow from there and i love to to have people grow in terms of um oh now people are asking me for that you know they came for the headaches and now they're asking me for this so now i'm selling this and and it, mm. it i find that it, it becomes very organic because now you're you're helping them with a solution you're helping people solve a problem that they came in for you. And you're speaking very specifically to that person with the headache. Mm. I like that. I've, I've got a coaching client I'm working with at the moment and he's talking all about headaches. And so he's creating some great little videos with tips to help people with headaches. And then when he's able to link back to a page rather than it going back to his homepage on his website, it's just another page that says, hey, listen, if you're at this page, you've probably got headaches or maybe you've got a loved one that's got headaches. And I get it they're terrible and they feel like A, B and C. And I've been helping headaches with other people for the last 20 years. If you see down beneath here is a bunch of testimonials of the people that we helped. And when you come in your initial consultation, I'm gonna do A, B, C and D there as well. And down beneath here is a button for you to click that'll organize an appointment for you. So it has that real, uh, so we often refer to it as AdScent, that is there's a familiar feel all the way through it that really positions this guy as, wow, here's the headache, dude. Like, you know, this is a headache kind of page there as well that he's sending people to. And it's nothing fancy. Like he built that page himself. Um, you know, he's a Squarespace site. It looks nice and neat. Um, is he going to win any website um, design awards? No, but it's definitely not going to repel people. It's, you know, it's got that feel to it. And if anything, it just makes him look like even more of an authority as, as well. So I'm guessing that's what you mean with terms of consistency through it. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. And I think what you're describing is the targeted audience, you know, now that you, you've, you've kind of put out the information for a cold or warmer audience. And it's like, hey, if this is you, here's more information. And they come to this page all about how you help with headaches. You're exactly right. Now they're the authority. Now it's like, oh, someone really understands that, that, gosh, I struggle with this. What he's describing is exactly what I struggle with. If I have something else, I'm probably leaving the page, which is great. Like you don't want someone with something else on this page. So you're getting the right people in and they are receiving the right information. And so there's that really nice exchange of energy that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and too, for those of you that are listening out there, the only people that are going to get to this page, this link that he has out there is only under his kind of headache videos as well. So he still has his regular homepage on his website um, that people come to. But if someone's gone to the stage of watching a video enough to go, I'm interested in more, we, we want to kind of really continue on that kind of theme through there. And I'm setting up another process exactly the same for another um, chiropractor. She's got a love of helping with shoulders. So same thing exactly that we're just kind of adding that through because I get it when we talked about this cold, warm and targeted audiences before, you know, now with it, they're a target audience, we can be a little bit more specific with the conversation that we're having with them. And, and here would be my thoughts too. Here is where it's totally okay for us to have a call to action, which is make an appointment. Um, maybe that might not be as appropriate with a cold audience through there as, as well. We want to build that relationship and, you know, not ask for marriage perhaps on the date 
number one. Um, would that be your advice also with that colder audience? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the colder audience that you're describing would benefit tremendously from that initial video you're talking about, because it sounds like it provides education. It sounds like it's sort of acknowledging what they might be going through and saying and, and leading them down the path of creating a relationship, which is, which is ultimately, I mean, all you could hope for of, of getting them to engage with you in some capacity. Mm. Yeah. So let's summarize where we're up to now. We've decided we've got a, a chiropractor, 20 years of experience. She's wonderful at what she does, but doesn't have much of a digital presence. After kind of asking her those questions of what are you great at? Who do you help? What do you love doing? And what's profitable? She decides it's headaches. So next we decided that we're going to have her create some content about the great work that she does with the headaches. I'm a huge fan of video. So let's just assume mm -hmm. that we can convince her to, um, you know, get her iPhone out there and, shoot you know 10 or 12 short videos of just giving helpful tips of people who might be suffering from headaches as as well do you have some thoughts about maybe how long you would suggest those videos would be what kind of content that she might share in those yeah i would say it would be the questions that the patients who come in always ask her mm. Um, and the, and, um, also probably the top maybe complaints that they, that she gets when she would be the wealth of knowledge, right? Like she would know she's talking to patients day in and day out. She knows how they describe it. And I would use their language. So if they're saying, I can't, I can't work or I can't focus, that's different than I have a headache. But, but saying something like, I can't focus at my job and I'm, I'm so burnt out at the end of my day, I don't have time for my kids is different language than my head hurts. And so really make it like really even just brainstorming how people, how her patients describe it to her. Yeah. I think would, would really start to generate a lot of good content ideas. And then those frequently asked questions of like, once, you know, is it going to hurt? Is it, it those types of, you know, I don't know what the doctor would know. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's interesting because if, if, if our listeners want to find out more about this, if they're a bit kind of stuck, or maybe let's say that they are brand new in practice um, for a course I was putting together recently, one of the case studies I did was let's just say that your expertise was in irritable bowel syndrome, that that's what you helped with, which I have zero expertise in, but I did go online and I did a search for an irritable bowel forum. And I found this forum full of like, it was pages of conversations of people describing in absolute detail, I've got this, this, and this, and this going on. And I didn't understand the fear and frustration that these, it gets a bit kind of gross here. When you have irritable bowel of the fear of going to the bathroom in public places because of all the flatulence and the wind and the difficulty and all that kind of stuff there too. But after spending 10 minutes reading through here, I went, ah, oh, that's the exact language I need to use. It was all there. Mm -hmm. And so, if you didn't, if you wanted to, I, I bet that there would be a forum for people who suffered from migraines as well, that you could sit there for 10 minutes and read about how they describe, how it impacts their life, what language, what words to read as well. I was blown away. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many resources out there. Um, I mean, Yelp, I, I, I don't know if you have that in Australia. Yelp is a good one. Go look at other doctors who, and how people are describing. Don't look at, you know, you're not at this point, not looking at how they're reviewing the doctor, but it's like, I came in because my headache was so, you know, when they start describing their headache, that type of thing. Um, Real Self is a really good um, uh, resource for that. 
because it it allows pe- patients and doctors to kind of connect and people to ask questions. So any any resource like that, absolutely that you can find. Mm. Um, actually, I mean, ironically, I've worked with a doctor who also has treated irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> And so I remember one of the things is that like you had touched on is people are even afraid to leave their house. Like they, they, it comes with a certain amount of social anxiety. And I I doubt anyone's talking about that. Right. Yeah. And so like, that is a great, you know, I remember actually using that as a, as a PR, uh, it's called a hook, which if you go back and listen to the last episode, I think we talked about it, but uh, that's a hook because that's how a person with that, um, a symptom or a disease, or I don't, I can't remember how it's classified, but that's how they describe it. Like they're so anxious to even leave the house. Mm. And that's different than like, I have irritable bowel syndrome, right. And which is, is maybe more of a general term, but someone who has suffered from that for decades is probably really potentially ready to listen to what a possible solution could be. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea that really great marketing, and I'm sure great PR as well is invisible. It doesn't look like it at all. What it looks like is a great conversation and the conversation Again, we hear great marketers in the past have said it's entering the conversation that's already going on inside the mind of the person that you want to help there. I, I would encourage our listeners that even if you go, look, you know, I have been looking after migraine people for the last 20 years. I've got it really nailed there too. I would really encourage you to dive in, spend 30 minutes one afternoon, whether it be on your phone, whether it be going through some of those sites say, that Kristen mentioned beforehand, or just, you know, do a search for insert name of thing, shoulder problem, migraine, irritable bowel, and then forum, see what you can find there as well. I think you'll be surprised about the level of, it's also this, it's really all about empathy and compassion. I find that great marketers have tremendous amounts of empathy and compassion as well. That will be something that will kind of help you dive a little bit kind of deeper into that also. Um, So we've created these videos, which is kind of asking the frequently, answering the frequently asked questions, um, you know, talking about the most common in a, in a manner, in a language that's that's common to them. We've made those. What next? I think next is inviting them to continue the conversation. So it, it also sort of depends what that piece of content is, but it could be something like, um, you know, download my ebook on how to alleviate headaches in your day-to-day life or um, listen to my free audio about what, as I walk, you know, it could be, it, it's something of value, like of real value, not just, you know, drink more water and move more every day (laughs) as something of real value that you, that you could provide to these people to actually help them. And the way I like to think about it is even if they never took that next step, this, this sort of uh, educational piece will help them in some capacity. And it doesn't need to give away the keys to the kingdom, but you do want them to be encouraged to take the next step. And so again, it sort of depends on where they are in kind of that cycle we talked about, but it could be like you were describing, here's, here's what I help with. Here's how I help. Um, here's how to set up a consultation. That's very, that's, that's totally reasonable. It could be something like, if you want to know more, download this free gift I have for you type of thing. Mm. And so at that point, it's really about making sure that you can somehow capture them. 
And in fact, I was just talking about this. There, there's a ton of ways now that you could do it. I mean, if it, I don't know sort of how marketing savvy, I guess some of the listeners are, but you know, you could have a Facebook group where you're building a community of people like that. Yes. You want a way to take them off that website and onto a property you own essentially. So it could be an email list. It could be a Facebook group. It could be some, you know, I don't know, a, an in-person event at your practice. It, some, some way that you're now able to continue the conversation and capture their information in exchange for value that you're providing. Yeah, beautiful. And what, <clears throat> so to answer your question about my audience, they're the most sophisticated marketing audience going, I've surveyed them. They're incredibly intelligent, witty. Um, some of the best looking practitioners going around in the world also are the ones that listen to this show. So uh, we're above average on all kind of areas there, Kristen. So, and to, I, I want to, because to get where we're going with this gang, remember Kristen started off, said, look, this concept of see, click, buy is gone. You know, we think that when somebody comes into our practice that they, uh, you know, hurt themselves and all of a sudden decided that they want to come and see us. And sometimes that's the case. But, you know, I was thinking back a few episodes ago, I was chuckling with one of my guests, Dennis Yu, who was wanting to buy some lip balm. And he spent two hours researching a $6 lip balm. You know, so if somebody's spending that amount of time for a $6 purchase, you know, to make a healthcare decision, that's not just something that we flippantly do. We are going to go from platform to platform to research, to read, to look at reviews, all of those kind of things there. And I, I, I'm also wanting to remind our audience as well, this is not something that you have to get sorted from day one. Like, you know, when we're starting to talk about, you know, the idea of follow-up emails and Facebook groups and all those kind of things, you know, that's the, you know, grade six at school uh, is really easy when you've done grade five, but if, if you're back in kind of prep, it's a big deal. So the, remember your first steps might be, who do I love looking after? Who do I get great results with? Who's profitable? Okay. That's it. Create and some how content. Can I, how can I talk to them? That's like, those are the questions you need to answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I can find myself getting a little overwhelmed sometimes <laughs> because I get way too far ahead of myself. And to be honest, if you just did this first steps is identify who you know what's unique about you what are you great at doing and start having conversations with those people without any of the fancy back end any of that kind of stuff there your results would be so far beyond what they were beforehand and then there are just levels of kind of sophistication um after that are there what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making with this process kristen i think you nailed it i think it's probably getting too far ahead of yourself or feeling like you have to do all the things, um, especially in sort of the example we're using, someone who maybe hasn't established their digital presence or who wants it to get better. It's um, what I see a lot is the, uh, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, it's, it's more like when we're, we see what other people are doing and we're like, oh, we should do that too. Like yeah. that, it looks like that guy's really successful at doing YouTube videos. I should be doing YouTube videos. Yeah then maybe that's not the best solution for you. Yeah. Or I see this person doing Facebook ads. Maybe your audience is, isn't going to respond to Facebook ads. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's starting, I think, at a place that feels most authentic to you, especially if it's just you or you have maybe a small office team or something and you're, you're really working through those questions you just identified. And just kind of let it involve almost intuitively. And I think what happens is, 
if, if you can get clear on answering who do I, who, who do I like to serve? Is it profitable? Um, what, you know, what, how do I talk to them? You start now in your language when you talk to patients even, you start using that language and asking those questions and being more curious about it, which then opens the door for more, more things that you could <laughs> yeah. um, start exploring. And so I think like you're saying, let it kind of evolve organically if it's just you and you're looking for just any place to start yeah. by just being, just being curious. Yep. I, I love, people? you know, those, when you talk about kind of authentic, authenticity and things growing organically, it's interesting. I was watching a, a guy's videos just recently and it was so clear that he had been told what to say and how to go about saying it and knew that if there was a dramatic pause in there that that would be good for effect there too and so i guess on paper he was doing all the right things serious looks but there was just zero authenticity there and it's really it's hard you just can't hide from that now particularly in this kind of digital world where we're either listening to people or we're seeing them and so that's i i want just authentically come back to we've found this person or this group of people that we want to help just keep your doctor hat on and just help them just from one person to another. Imagine that there's someone in front of you that's suffering from migraines. How could I help them right now? What would be, you know, so many of us as practitioners, we have the thing that we do, i.e. in my case, an adjustment, but there's so many bits of home valuable advice that I give to people who might be suffering from headaches and migraines that I could just have now. And, you know, I could share with them little tips that will kind of help them move forwards also. But I want to remind to our listeners, stay in your lane like you're enough there's an audience there for you and um you know particularly this fictitious person who we've talked about has had 20 years in practice you know you've had that time you, you just be you you know that would be what i would kind of remind people as as well do you have um kristen kind of summing things up through here do you have any kind of final thoughts um that you'd like to share with our audience and then can you let our fabulous listeners know to where they might be able to find you because you've got a podcast too um and uh, uh yeah where do they go next Sure. And I would say just to build on that is I think a lot of times when practitioners feel like marketing isn't working, I think what you're describing is it's not, it's just not really aligning with either how they do business or who they are. Mm -hmm. And so I would really suggest finding people that you can partner with. I don't think you Angus are saying take all this marketing on yourself, but find people who understand that, who aren't necessarily giving you a script to read that doesn't feel authentic to you, who aren't saying like, I could get you 30 leads a day. Well, are, you know, are those 30 leads crappy leads? Cause I'd rather have one really good patient than 30 people bugging my phone and, and they're a pain in the butt, you know? Yes. <laughs> and so I think when you as a doctor, as a practitioner can really kind of be clear on that and then find the right people to help guide you along that and to support you. Um, not saying that you need to know everything. I just, I, I find that those relationships that I have with clients like that work out so much better because they can uh, like, they can just, like you're saying, do their thing. They can be the doctor. They can talk, help patients. Um, you know, as, a, as an example, I have a client who is really, really prolific on Instagram and he has, 
tens of thousands of followers, but that's him. Like that's just his personality. I don't do anything for that. He is just very proactive about it. And then I have other people who don't want to do that. Like that's just not them. Right. Mm -hmm. And anytime someone tries to force it on them, it feels inauthentic, but there's other avenues that you could be leveraging that are true to you and like intuitively to how you want to practice and the types of patients you want. So I would say that would be kind of my closing thoughts. Beautiful (laughs) thoughts. Kristen, where's the best spot for um, our intelligent, clever, beautiful, Mm -hmm. handsome listeners to uh, find out more about you? Um, I would say the best place to connect with me would probably be Instagram. I'd love to get a message from you. I'm Kristen underscore Hinman. You can pop it in the show notes below. Yes. Um, and I do have a podcast. It's called Cut the Crap Podcast. Hopefully I can say the crap word on here. <laughs> Absolutely. And more. We're on yeah. for it. Yes. Um, and I, I really, I launched this podcast earlier this year because I really, when I started my business, there, there's just so much information out there. And I wanted each episode to really have a takeaway mm-hmm. that you could in real time implement into your business. And if it wasn't for you, you could leave it. And if it is for you to actually give you some prompts of like, how, how could this work for me? And yeah. so, um, you know, I do have guests occasionally, but a lot of times I, I stick to some individual uh, solo episodes and short principles and Um, really just dive into kind of like what we're talking about things I hear a lot from people like things I see a lot when I work with people the biggest mistakes or roadblocks or questions they have and it's kind of evolved from there so yeah that's on Apple Podcasts. it's called cut the crap love it Kristen thanks so much for joining me again Um, I've got a full page of notes through here you've answered all my questions and more I I love chatting with you I, I just I love the direction that you go. There's such clarity and simplicity. And, you know, there is, there's so much here for our listeners if they were to just start implementing this that, you know, and they can get moving forward that then the time might come that they need some help from someone like Kristen or, or, or whatever works well for them. So thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. Maybe we'll get a round three down the track as well. So, um, who knows, hey? And I'll get on to getting that trophy organized for you also, okay? All right. Thank you so much for having me back. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. See you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize, and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.